0: You're listening to Metrics and Chill, where you'll learn how to improve key metrics that grow your business from companies that have done it before. In this episode, I got to chat with AJ Alonso, Director of Marketing at Demand Drive, to learn how he improved their inbound lead to MQL percentage. We cover how he built a nurture campaign to keep prospects engaged with valuable content, how he's moved to ungate the bulk of their content, how he's working with sales on a daily basis to continue to refine their ICP and improve the quality of leads he sends, and a ton more. I hope you enjoy it. All right, AJ, we finally made this happen. (laughs) We tried like three times. The sickness took us down twice. Um, But we're finally here and I'm really glad to talk to you. Uh, Yes, like I said, you come highly recommended. Excited to talk to you. Um, so yeah, let's start there. Thanks for coming on metrics and chill.
1: Yeah, hey, thanks for having me. I like you said, you know third time's the charm. I'm excited to finally be here and, um, and, and get to get to talk all about uh, some of the stuff that we've been doing here at demand drive, some of the the cool metrics that we've been able to track over the past couple of years here and, and, and dig in.
0: Awesome. Yeah, so give like the 30 second you know elevator pitch for those who are not familiar with demand drive.
1: Sure. Um, so what we do, we act as an outsourced sales development arm for our clients. So what that means is we work with a lot of organizations to foundationally build up their sales development function from either the ground up in a lot of cases, um, consulting on outbound, uh, approaches, actually staffing the program, um, running all of their reporting and analytics. Um, all the way up to working with larger organizations and sort of acting as like an ancillary arm for them, and, and using a lot of our work to experiment and test out new messaging and penetrate new accounts and go into new industries. So um, get in there and really dig our hands into the the foundation for their their sales dev team um, and help them grow and scale that.
0: And for, for organizations that are slightly smaller, just getting started, do you typically recommend that you start as like the experienced outsourced arm that's kind of ready to go? Or do you recommend that they kind of have, you know, a small team in place and you'll kind of come and help them grow that from there?
1: We love to be the experienced arm to help them, um, build things right from the get-go. Uh, a lot of times when we get into an organization and they have something built, but it's not scaling or it's not working like they want it to, it means we have to tear everything down and then build it back up again. So it's almost like it would have been better if we started from scratch. Um, right. But you know, not a hundred percent of the time, that's the case. Sometimes it's great working alongside a team that already exists because we can learn from one another and grow together. Um, big fans of shared wins here. So, you know, win-win opportunities, whenever we can find them, we look for them.
0: Awesome. Yeah, so today, obviously, we're going to be chatting about um, kind of two metrics. We're like primarily inbound to MQL, like you improving that mm-hmm. uh, that ratio or growth percentage, but then connected to that MQL to SAL, sales accepted lead, um, you know, that, that you, by improving the first one, you're improving the second one. Mm-hmm. And we're going to dive into that a little bit besides i guess mql and sal what are some other kind of important metrics and i should say to everyone listening um you're like this chat specifically will be about you running marketing for demand drive so you're actually driving clients to demand drive um versus like where demand drives helping with the sdr experience for other right
1: yeah primarily you know driving growth for demand drive helping us acquire new clients new logos
0: yeah. So, what are some of the what are some of the um, other metrics that are important to you to track besides MQLs and SALs?
1: So, like I said, you know my my primary goal here on the marketing side of things, really driving growth, is net new logos. And with that, because we act as sort of that outsourced arm, the main product, I guess you would call it, is is the people that we have that we staff on these programs. So, for us, every new client that we get also comes with an associated number of headcounts, so like how many reps are we assigning to that program? Um, one of outside of like driving that new logo is upping the total number of headcount that we have is a big goal of my department because it means that we're starting programs off with ideally more reps um attached to them it's better for us better for the client that we have like you know two plus reps associated with a program rather than one um so making sure that our sort of like average number of reps per logo is going up that's a huge metric that we've been working towards increasing over the past couple of years um not new logos obviously and then just like working backwards in the traditional funnel like um total pipeline opportunity created in terms of, of, of revenue um, the total uh, pipeline revenue that we have um, and then looking back like op- number of opportunities number of SQLs kind of working all the way back down to the smallest I guess or, or um, the the metric that is the easiest to obtain uh, just like the inbound lead um, mm. so really if you if you like go from a, look at a traditional funnel, our end goal being headcount and net new logos is just like any company's net new logo. And then we work backwards from there. But um, if we had to emphasize anything, I would say those two plus the SAL um, are, are the ones that I mainly focus on.
0: Okay. Makes sense. Um, how often are you updating the team on these? Like like how often is this a weekly, a monthly, or how, how often are you looking at it? Like, How often are you sort of like touching base and then sharing it with the team?
1: I look at it daily. <laughs> um, okay. we, uh, I'm like, I neurotic is not the right word, <laughs> but <laughs> I have a lot of different spreadsheets and a lot of different, uh, reports and dashboards built out in our CRM to help me understand, like, how many inbound leads do we have this week, this month, this quarter, same thing for MQLs, SALs, so on and so forth. Um, so I'm checking on a daily basis. I, I update the team, on an as needed basis, but at a minimum, it's a weekly basis. So we have a standing sales and marketing meeting where we all get together on a weekly basis and go over, like, all right, how many net new leads do we have this week? How many of them are being worked? How many have converted from inbound to MQL to SAL, so on and so forth? And then I also dig into what sales is doing and and understand how many of marketing generated leads that have come in have turned into some type of opportunity, some type of forecastable revenue. Um, I would say that maybe more so than a lot of other marketers because our core sales and marketing team is actually pretty small. There's only six of us at this point. I work very closely hand in hand with our sales team on like a daily basis. So okay. what you might normally look at, at a larger organization in terms of like updating someone on a weekly basis is like a typical cadence. I'm doing that on a daily basis, plus the additional weekly meeting for everyone to touch base, um, as like a single unit.
0: Okay, and what are you looking at? Like when you sync with sales, is this just to kind of be walking in lockstep and have a really good idea of is what you're doing actually driving closed closed one deals on the other side of it, and like the quality of leads that you're sending, or is there something beyond that that you're kind of looking for in those daily syncs or weekly syncs with them?
1: I think the way that you put that is is perfect. Like working in lockstep, um, the analogy that I always use is. Are we rowing the boat in the same direction um it's cliche but it's true like if i if i'm bringing in a bunch of leagues that i think and i like look at and i'm like this fits our icp like these would be great these are slam dunks for the sales team and they go through and they start to qualify and they're not like on a weekly basis if we cover that i feel like there's a lot that gets lost (laughs) if you don't do that daily if you're not consistently checking in with them and understanding like hey For example, we've been doing a lot of, um, campaigns around website visitors, people who, who pop onto the website, reverse IP match, grab the company name. They didn't do anything right. They, they were just on the website. I know what page they were on, but they didn't actually take any actions, compiling those and getting them to the sales team to run some outbound campaigns for them. If like 60% of those are bad fits, I want to know like day of that. I send them not like hey a week later by the way 60 percent of those leads were garbage and we didn't do anything with them because i'm here thinking i did a good job i'm working on something else in the meantime when in reality i could be doing better triage on my side i could be learning more what the sales team is looking for in terms of why this is a good fit why this isn't a good fit um got it we i love transparency like so much I, i think there's nothing to be gained by not communicating something to another team member in the moment that you feel it. We have Slack. We have emails. We can communicate 24-7 if we want to. Don't communicate with your team outside of work hours. But um, during work, if like if I have a question that pops up and I want to check in on the team, I do it. They know they can do the same for me. So there's there's no reason why we wouldn't constantly be in touch about stuff like that to make sure that we are rowing the boat in the same direction, that the leads I'm providing to them are good fits, they're actually following up on them. Um, they're having meaningful conversations, stuff like that.
0: And then is sales helping you? You mentioned your ICP. Is sales helping? Is this feedback from sales helping you refine your ICP over time? Absolutely. So, okay. Yeah. I was going to say so you, uh, wh- what blend is it of qualitative, quantitative that makes up your ICP? I'm just curious.
1: I don't know if I could put like, an exact percentage on it, I would say it's, it's a heavy blend of qualitative for sure. I'm a huge fan of setting up feedback loops between sales and marketing because there's a lot of stuff that I, I guess, assume as a marketer that I think either like content wise resonates with our audience or ICP wise, I think is a good fit that sales is uncovering on a daily basis, taking notes ideally and putting those into our CRM, um, having access to that is huge being able to listen mm. to their conversations via the call recording software is huge talking with them about it is huge it it helps me better understand the types of accounts that we should be going after whether seasonally um you know let's say we're working with a bunch of healthcare clients and it's open enrollment in a few months we know that they're going to be swamped and they probably need extra support so If sales is seeing a lot of success on the healthcare side of things, maybe I can focus some of my campaigns in that area. Um, Hearing that from them is a lot more impactful than me being like, oh, shoot, it's May. I think open enrollment's coming up. Maybe I should have been doing something about this. They're getting that information weeks, maybe even months ahead of me. Um, So being in constant communication with them and having that feedback loop consistently circulating helps me better understand who to target and what messaging is and content is resonating. And it helps them in terms of um, being able to polish some of their messaging, being able to add some, like, marketing authority, some case study authority to it. Uh, it it's, like I was talking about before, a win-win situation.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, cool. So, I mean, so as far as the, the MQL and the SAL that we're going to jump into, can you define... Mm-hmm. MQL and SAL and what that is for you all.
1: Yeah. So for us an MQL is somebody that's either a uncovered by me and triaged or qualified in a way that, like you said, fits some firmographic data. Like I know without a shadow of a doubt that this fits our ICP, this account or this individual is a prospect that you would want to talk with that sales would want to talk with. Um, or it's somebody who's like literally raised their hand and been like, hi, you know, I would like to speak with someone on the sales team. They fill out the contact us form. Um, We have a couple of other different ways, um, sort of like middle of the funnel content that as soon as someone fills out or downloads that, it tells us pretty pretty, uh, reliably that they're at that stage where they're trying to make a decision. So getting in touch with the sales team is paramount. Um, That's like the more traditional MQL. On the SAL side, it is sort of like you were saying, sales either has a conversation with them or there's some back and forth with the lead that like kind of confirms that there should be a next step in some capacity Um, That post first conversation, either discovery on the SDR side of things or, um, accelerating to some type of like presentation from sales, knowing that there should be a next step after that, whether it's a a larger scale presentation or just jumping more into contract discussion, that's when it's sort of defined as an SA all on our side.
0: Got it. Okay. Um, awesome. So yeah, so obviously you, you have significantly impacted the inbound to MQL ratio and, uh, you know, by effect MQL to SAL. So let's start with inbound to MQL. So, um, is inbound like the primary thing you're focused on? I know you mentioned you'll, you'll obviously do some of this stuff like pulling, like reverse pulling some info, um, and, and giving it to the outbound team, but inbound is primarily the method that you're using in marketing, like driving this.
1: Yeah. I would say that ideally my, what i Ideally, I'm trying to drive more MQLs than inbound that that would be great because obviously those convert at a higher rate to the, the, uh, SAL side of things. But, um, a lot of what we've been doing recently, I would say is we, we've been doing a good job on the marketing side about like branding, um, really establishing our name within the space that we sit in this sort of outsourced sales space, um, A lot of that didn't translate to MQLs. It translated to what we would consider now inbound leads. We kind of did a big like redefinition this year of individuals that like either land on a piece of content or our website or interact with us in some way, but don't explicitly tell us, hi, I would like to learn more. Um, But because we've we've attracted them in some capacity, either through a webinar some event or podcast um, and they've learned about us, but haven't said, I would like to learn more we'd never like captured that before, Um, but really before this year, they just like sat there and we didn't do anything with them. Right. Since we started doing something with them and and attempting to, on the marketing side, really engage with those people more so than just attract them um, and push them into that MQL stage by either having them engage with more content um, by having them raise their hand and say, yes, I would like to learn more. Um, That has, it's been instrumental to us in terms of like, upping the total number of MQLs that we have um so like my goal is still drive as many MQLs as possible it's just a lot easier for me to do that when we better track and actually engage with the leads who who land on something but don't do anything
0: got it okay so prior if this was like prior inbound was just sort of like hitting the site brought like browsing looking like coming across your brand and now you're taking more of an intentional process of like let's nurture them in this stage and like encourage them like foster them to get into the mql stage more now
1: exactly like okay e- easy example of that is we've um prior to this year we didn't have like a traditional marketing automation system. I was running all of our newsletters actually out of sales loft, just because that was a tool that we had internally. And I was like, yeah, I can use this to send outbound emails from the marketing side of things. (laughs) Um, spoiler alert. It's not great on the marketing side, like fantastic tool if you're a sales rep, but like, for me, it wasn't really what I needed, but it meant that like, I was only doing a monthly newsletter. Right. Mm. So the, the people who had inbounded or individuals that we had attracted to our brand, but weren't doing anything outside of a once a month situation where they were hearing from us, we weren't doing a lot to engage them and try to get them more involved with what we were doing, have them read more content. Since onboarding a marketing automation system, we've been able to set up like actual nurture campaigns and like drip campaigns to deliver content to those individuals that normally would have kind of just sat there. They would have got 12 emails a year. Now they're getting significantly more messaging from us with content that theoretically, based on what I've heard from sales and what I know from, from my own, um, ICP and persona development, delivering content that resonates with them to kind of push them to engage more with the brand to the point where they either say, yeah, I want to learn more, or they've just done it so much that it doesn't it, like you have to push them to sales at that point. Like if someone's read a blog 55 times over the past couple of months, probably a good reason to, for the sales team to reach out to them. So, so trying right. to like build up that engagement with the leagues that yeah, normally kind of would've just sat there and done nothing.
0: Awesome. So yeah, getting, can you like, um, elaborate, like what did that process look like for you? So you've got people hitting the site. It sounds like it sounds like was blog or newsletter signups kind of like the first step or like what were some of the steps that you took to actually put them into a nurture campaign and what was some of the content or like, what were the ways you were, you were providing them? Uh, yeah. What were some of the ways you were nurturing them? I guess.
1: Yeah. So definitely like newsletter signups, blog subscriptions, essentially the same thing for us. Um, outside of just getting the newsletter, what we did, and this was another concerted effort between like myself and the sales team. I was looking at the typical like cadence that sales was sending out on an outbound side of things. Um, and, and understanding that messaging, what worked, what didn't work, like what templates they were using that had high success rates. And I, I employed like, a essentially like a three to one give to take ratio where If I sent an individual person four emails over two months, for example, three of those emails were me sharing our best pieces of content, sharing upcoming events that we had, um, trying to give them something that we've produced that had value according to other people that I thought would also, help them in some in some capacity and then one email was more of that like traditional sort of outbound sales email that i adapted from the the sales team and turned into sort of like a one-to-many marketing ish sales ish email
0: interesting so
1: it it, honestly like it, it worked in the sense that like we were getting more engagement and people were engaging with those emails um the sales emails weren't really performing all that well. Cause it's a little bit weird getting like outbound prospected from a marketing person. And it's like half sales, half marketing. The message sure, was a little yeah. bit off, but um, in totality, like if you told somebody that, and I guess this is why a lot of people stuck around in our database, but if you told someone that over the course of 12 months, they were gonna get like 16 to 24 good pieces of content delivered into their inbox outside of like a, a monthly newsletter from this brand that's, that's a win in my book of just like being able to learn from someone. Um, and then if you have to pepper in a couple of sales emails here and there, like no biggie, but a a lot of the times people were engaging with those marketing emails. They were engaging with the content on those emails and we didn't really have like a lead scoring system set up, but from my perspective, being able to see how often someone was clicking on a piece of content that we delivered, um, if they were opening up the, the newsletter or those emails more, more than once, if they were forwarding it to their team, indicators like that would allow me to reliably tell the sales team, like, Hey, this account, this individual within this account, they're all interacting with this piece of content makes sense for you to reach out from the sales side of things. Here's the content they were looking at. Somehow frame the message around this, um, and, and sort of like pull them into your outbound cadence.
0: Got it. Okay. So, so did this look like step one was sort of, um, actually setting up a nurture campaign where before there wasn't. So that was sort of like the first step that you took. Then once they're there, you went from a monthly, you know, value outreach or, or give of, of like quality content to like three or four times a month, you would deliver some valuable content. Um, Mixed in with, with one or two outbounds or like, like a more sales, traditional
1: sales type emails. Okay.
0: And then you would be tracking the engagement with that. And anyone in the, like in the nurture stage who was like, oh, wow, this is some good stuff that they're sending. And you saw them opening it up and reading it and consuming it. Those are the ones you'd move to the MQL stage. Yeah.
1: Those who either engage with it a lot or like, you know, would actually reply back to me and go like, hey, this looks awesome. Can I learn more? very rare Got that it would it. happen but it's always nice when it does
0: sure sure yeah um and then w- w- so was that like basically it for the for the inbound mql side or like was there anything else that comes to mind that that you think like uh improve that percentage
1: um a good and i think i mentioned this a little bit earlier but like in terms of how i work with the sales team um it's it's i work with them really closely to the point where like inbound leads. I'm essentially triaging them for them. So for example, website visitors, that was one of the campaigns that I brought up recently. Um, or in this, in this episode, we've been working on it recently. I I'll take all of those leads that come in from website visitors and literally like hand pick out of like the 60 visitors that we get. Um, which at, I I would say like normally prior to sort of sort of this campaign, if I get 60 people, um, from a website visitor campaign, I'm putting them all into our marketing automation system and getting them all set up into this nurture sequence. I've been doing a lot more triage where maybe I'll pick 25 of those that actually like fit our ICP, have good personas I know we would be able to work with, reaching out to sales, saying, hey, these are you know 25 inbound leagues that have come in. Let me know which one you guys want to take. They'll take 10 of them to actively start working. And then the other 15 I'll put into our marketing automation system. So I'm like Got actively triaging inbound leads to, to deliver like hand delivered to sales based on their bandwidth, based on how much they want to get in touch with the account. Um, so I'm helping fill their funnel while also kind of dumping the leftovers, so to speak, the ones that haven't fully been vetted by us into the um, traditional marketing automation campaigns that we've been running.
0: Got it. Okay. And then that's just a way for them to sort of skip the line. Like you can look at them and you've got a good enough sense to be like, okay, these, like these people are not just going to sit in the nurture. They definitely like, they look exactly like the other clients that we've done really well with. Um, and so you kind of like, we'll pass them on and sales will outreach them.
1: Right. And like, that is also incredibly self-serving in terms of bumping the percentage of inbound to MQL, because it means less bad fit leads are going in to the, the, that side of the funnel. So like. Less bad fit leads go in, less bad fit leads come out. So our our conversion rates naturally increase because I'm just, like, basically yeah, triaging for quality beforehand.
0: Got it. Okay. Okay. So do you have an idea of what the inbound to MQL was before you sort of made some of these changes? Like what the percentage was?
1: I, I wish I had an exact number for you because I was – honestly not great about tracking a lot of these metrics a few years ago. Um, if I had to guess based on some of the stuff that I looked at some of my old sheets, which by the way, were incredibly painful, like 2018, me was not on top of things. Um, (laughs) it was, (laughs) it was like, I want to say close to like 35 to 40% of like inbound leads were actually converting in, in some tangible way into an MQL, um, as of this year, when I last checked, that number was closer to, like, 60-something percent, like low 60 um, okay. percent, And that's with, like, I want to say almost tripling the total number as well. So, like, not oh, only wow. are we getting better at qualifying inbound to, to MQL, um, we're also dumping a ton more leads at the top of the funnel and getting a lot more to come out sort of on the other side.
0: Right. So that's like four years further refining your ICP. You're getting pickier about who makes that number and it's doubled and that's with the volume increasing.
1: Right. It's yeah. Like the the, I mean, the luxury of having four years of time to figure it out is definitely not something everybody has. But looking back at it, like, of course, it makes sense that we would able to increase that number knowing what we know now looking back at what we were doing in 2018 it's like child's play compared to how Mm. much more sophisticated um how many more tools that we have how big our team is like in 2018 we had one ae period end of story and now our sales team our our ceo does founder sales we have two full like full cycle aes we had an sdr at some point this year as well so like everything has really like in terms of the sophistication that we've had, it's increased significantly over the past four years. So if the number didn't blow my mind in terms of like, yeah, we basically doubled that conversion rate, I would have been shocked.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you, did, did, did the process of going through this, like setting up the nurture campaign where it didn't exist, uh, further refining your ICP, did this also help you find like, when we're talking inbound to MQL, did this also i would imagine involve refining which um uh, inbound channels were working better for you mm. or driving better for you or was it like is did the did the i don't know the way to say it like did the channel split stay fairly equal um or did you find no even though like targeting was all the same like we always targeted our icp channels over here over here over here always like perform better for us
1: uh yes in the sense that we found, and we're kind of moving towards this like ungate everything model, where we found that like content downloads just weren't doing anything for us. Like we had Mm -hmm. eBooks and we had white papers up on the website. um, And looking over the past few years at the conversion rates of individuals who just downloaded a white paper and didn't also attend a webinar or fill out the contact us form, like their conversion rates were awful compared Hmm. to, um, some of our other channels. So it kind of, I guess, caused us to like move towards this don't gate anything model and just have like one or two major assets on the site that, um, somebody can download and we'll capture information for, but like any other like ebook or white paper or whatever that you would traditionally gate and, and use as lead gen, we've just left open for people to, to kind of, um, download at their leisure. And then if they want to learn more, they fill out the contact us form.
0: So, I mean this makes a ton of sense cuz I mean t- tell me if I'm not understanding right, but like effectively when you set up your nurture campaign, you decided like let's let's take inbound. Now you now you were gating or capturing I guess email in some way. So, but you were effectively taking them and saying, now let's just like let them have at all this valuable content as much <laughs> as we can throw at them and once in a while like we'll tell them about ourselves in like a sales oriented motion. Yeah. Simultaneously you find just the pure gated stuff isn't doing anything. So it seems like the movement you're describing is sort of like exactly what you're doing in your nurture just without capturing the email. It's like, hey everyone, here's all the valuable stuff we would have emailed you had you given us your email but now you're free to go browse it and read it and when you're ready, we're here. Exactly, yeah,
1: okay. no, that, that pretty much nails it. And then like we got a lot better at um, baking in more opportunities for someone to convert in that content where, like, normally you download it, there's no like additional hey, contact us to learn more stuff in there. You've already given us your information, um, right? We'll just bake in a few extra contact us CTAs in that piece of content. And if somebody wants to learn more after reading it, they can then opt in, join the newsletter, get part of that, you know, um, nurture campaign, or even just like get in touch with the sales team. It, it just was a lot more effective for us to do it that way, and we. I had always kind of been on the side of ungating rather than gating in general, just because like a lot of the stuff that we had been doing marketing campaign wise was about branding, was about, um, making sure that we were cementing some authority and, and reliability in our space. And a lot of that means like this, that means you have to, basically make content free for people so they can learn more about you and allow you to build up that trust and authority that you need Um, and now that we've we've done a lot of that we can start moving towards more considered efforts towards um actually having gated content, we, we have like webinar series that we're coming up with where like you give us your email once and you get access to all of the different, um, mm. events that we have coming up past and future. So like, that's an easy way for us to basically be like, yeah, you know, we've built up enough of a brand presence here where we feel like we can ask somebody for their email, um, because you've seen so much of our stuff already that like, why wouldn't you also sign up for this webinar series?
0: Right, right, right. Um, yeah this makes a ton of sense it's it's interesting i just have happened to have like i mean you know when you record your show like it's like the timing of like the kind of conversations you're having and i talked to a couple marketers recently who two people recently said um that they were supposedly talking about how they used content or like organic content or blog content to grow you know either mqls or revenue or signups or something and they all made reference to the fact that when they they found that if someone came in organic, like kind of the dream situation, like they would, they'd they would have a a bottom of funnel piece of content. Someone would come in organically, and become like an SQL or like MQL or like something like like would convert. Or if it was like a, a product led growth thing, it was like they would sign up. I think that's what it was. It was like a sign up, and those churn rates were much higher. They mm. said than the ones who sort of started at the middle of funnel or like top of funnel content and kind of worked their way down and poked around. Like they said, if it, when they found that the person consumed like three, four, five pieces, it generally was a like a fit that they were not just in the ecosystem, but were like, um, were a good fit for the product mm-hmm. because they wanted like everything that the product could speak to. Yeah. And it took longer to get there. And you'd kind of think like, oh, like the dream scenario, like, you know, we rank on, we, we rank, you know, in the SERPs, like someone comes over, clicks in, signs up, boom, done. But the churn rate ended up being so much higher with those versus the ones that would like browse around.
1: Yeah. And it like, you know, 30,000 foot view makes perfect sense, right? Like you want someone to engage with a, a bunch of your content because then you start to become that authority figure, uh, we talk about it a lot internally here, is just carving up more space in your prospect's brain for your name and your brand. The more content that they consume of yours, the more space you have in their brain. And if eventually they make their way down to that bottom of the funnel content or they get in touch with the sales team, I want to make sure that the amount of space that we have in their brain is as big as possible because it makes that next step for sales that much easier.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, cool. So. So then moving on to MQL to SAL, what were some of the things that you did to move the needle there? I know you said part of it is like just by virtue of increasing the MQLs, you're impacting, you know, the SAL per- uh, uh, quantity down, down the line. But what were some of the other things that you did to impact that?
1: Uh, so I, I alluded to it, but the number one thing we did was increase our team size, which was huge. Um one person can only do so much with the, the number of inbounds and MQLs that we had. We're not like a high volume shop by any stretch of the imagination, definitely on the, uh, low volume, high quality side of things, just by nature of the fact that we're in the services space. But, um, for one individual who is a full cycle AE to focus on both inbounds and working current deals and closing, not, not a great fit. Um, so we, we ended up bringing in a second full-time AE and this year, we also had an SDR for close to like seven months before they, they ended up just taking a different job. Um, okay. but it meant that we were able to like significantly increase the volume of people just qualifying leagues that have come in, which to me was, was great because it meant that we always had higher quality leagues than I think I had anticipated. Um, just based on the conversion rates that we had previously, uh, for, to put it in perspective between 2020 and 2021, I actually pulled these numbers for you so that I would have them on hand. Um, our MQL to SAL rate was close to like 52 and a half percent, which was great. Like, you know, you tell me that half of the leagues that come in that say, Hey, I want to learn more, move into some type of like tangible sales conversation. Like, yeah, that's a huge win. Um, at this point this year, that number is closer to like 73%. So, wow. and that's like, it's telling me that just because the, we've been able to get through a higher volume of leads. And then obviously like we talked about just like, I'm so, I'm self-selecting for higher quality at the, the front end. Um, it means that those leads were qualified the entire time and whether or not they got in front of sales first, or they were sort of kicked over to marketing earlier rather than, um, then later and get pushed into a marketing automation, uh, sort of looking for cadence, sorry. Um, it, it, meant that they were, they were quality all along and it was just a matter of like having enough hands on deck essentially to be able to effectively, um, qualify them and get them into the funnel rather than have them sit there and continue consuming content until they were like, absolutely no, I need to talk with a sales rep.
0: Right. Okay. So before you would get to what you could get to, cause you had one AE handling everything, Um, but then that meant that like, unless someone really beat down your door, they were just kind of sitting there. So the big thing here was you had a support system. Like you were able to, to scale the number of people helping with this. And then that allowed you to, do you think it was just a matter of, of like purely like a, a matter of speed and timing, like while they're consuming this info, uh, like they're in this nurture campaign, they've sort of raised their hand that they're interested and you're striking while the iron's hot and you're able to do that more like scalably and consistently or was there anything else that you think like besides just speed and timing impacted that
1: i think just like knowing ourselves and our team better as well like speed and timing huge um but like like i had mentioned we didn't really have a strict or or strong process on the marketing side for doing a lot of this stuff a couple of years ago similarly on the sales side we we hadn't built out a very strong system to effectively qualify inbound leads because we had been so reliant for a very long time on referrals. Um, That's like a big source of of, um, net new logos for our business. I think I I wrote this down too for you, so I would have it. Um, As of halfway through this year, Referrals make up about seventy-five percent of our business. Like we are really, really good at working with someone, having them love us. Eventually, our our services kind of have a shelf life in in general. So when our time is is up, and that individual then like takes it in house and then leaves and goes to another company, we work with them again, and we we work to do that repeatedly over and over again. So yeah. referrals make up a huge portion of our business. Um, it means that marketing generated leads like inbound stuff that comes in is about 20% and then pure outbound is 5%. So okay. that number skewed like significantly heavier towards referrals a couple of years ago. I would say it was closer to like 90%, Oh wow. which meant that our process for qualifying inbound leads wasn't necessarily in as high demand as it is now. But since we've been able to scale up marketing efforts and dip our hands into other pools of individuals that have never heard about us to expand that referral network, it means that portion of leads coming in from us has increased from like, you know, five to 10 to 20% like it is now. So we realized that there was a a need for us to really solidify that process and make sure that like an, an inbound lead comes in the full cycle AE that we have can't just like shirk that and start working on their own existing deals or like trying to build their own pipeline like we have systems in place now where it's easy for them to be notified that the lead came in that um they have the right messaging and templates in place to be able to follow up with them that they're contacting me to make sure that like hey this person said they Watched this webinar. They downloaded this piece of content as well. What about that piece of content should I be referencing to help move this along the sales funnel? Like that interaction between myself and sales and then just the sophistication of their processes has helped significantly in terms of being able to, to turn MQLs around more efficiently.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes a ton of sense. Um, I, I always felt like, like I ran, I ran marketing for an agency before and it's one of the coolest things that referral is so high. And also when you're like the first market and you're trying to get like more inbound coming in, it's like so frustrating because you feel like you're – I felt like I was like competing with referrals all the time. Yeah. Like I wanted to see inbound be like 50-50 or like this huge amount. But like you say, it's like testament of when – an agency specifically is just always going to see higher referrals. And that's a good thing. Like mm-hmm. obviously it's testament to the to the work quality and all of that. But...
1: Yeah. But I would love if that number – shifted more in my favor and it was less 75, 25 and closer to like, you know, 30, 70, and then maybe 40, 60, but, um, the, like the fact of the matter is that the more net new logos I bring in, the larger our referral network gets, which means that referrals also go up. So it's like, I'm winning, but I'm also, like you said, it's like competing with referrals. I'll never fully win. I'm always True. helping them out by helping myself out too, which is fine because everybody wins.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely um awesome so can you speak to some of the however you would think about um ancillary like results and and success of this so you know by by focusing on uh setting up a nurture campaign focusing the nurture campaign around like three gives, one ask, kind of a, to use a Gary Vism, like, you know, three gives, one ask of, like, the the cadence of it, moving toward more of an ungated thing, being able to get more support on the AE side to be able to increase this. Have you seen, like, what's the growth uh, that you've seen in net new logos or, like, in revenue that you could share?
1: Pretty significant. We, for um, perspective, we we did it a little bit late this year, but we had our um, sort of, like, first half of the year I'll pull up the numbers for you now. First half of the year, like management meeting where we went through and it was like, these were our goals for the year. Um, what are we at percentage wise there? Blah, blah, blah. For the month of May this year, we did more business than all of 2020 combined. Wow. Just to, to put that in perspective in terms of like total net new logos, total revenue. Um, I don't know if I, I can share actual like specific tangible yeah, numbers yeah, with you. Fine. Um, but I, I can say for sure that, like, we, we always did this. I know for, for listeners, it's going to be tough to imagine what I'm doing. It's grow, <laughs> plateau, grow, plateau.
0: Stairs. Yeah, imagine stairs.
1: stairs. <laughs> uh, maybe not straight up. I would like to imagine that it's straight up on the revenue yeah, side yeah, yeah. of things. Oh, I guess but... that's true. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> stairs. Um, yeah.
1: But that was, like, our growth trajectory for a really long time. Just because we we would hit these like thresholds of either we can't hire enough people to meet the demand of sales, so we have to slow things down a little bit, or we have um, we just have like a lot of clients who churn, so we need to focus on getting that new clients coming in. So there's like always that up and down. Yeah, our our trajectory has looked a little bit more just like a straight up and right upwards and rightwards line as of the past year, which is great because it's like it's a testament to the fact that we're still bringing in more people, more net new logos than we ever had before. But we're also doing a better job at making sure that we don't have those lulls where we have a bunch of clients that churn and then we have to like scramble to try and bring in net new clients to make up for it. Um, you'll always go through that in sort of the, the services industry, especially in the space that we're in. Um, but like being able to almost build out that safety net where I know that on the inbound side of things, we have enough people coming in at the top of the funnel where reliably we can bring in more people all the way through and have them close compared to what it was like a few years ago. Um, it's, it is a very relieving feeling, I would say.
0: Yeah. Knowing, I mean, absolutely. Um, I'm curious like what what are some of the inbound channels that you have found work really well for you? like just you know is are you looking at like organic? Are you doing paid social or is it mostly you know what folks are calling demand capture now? Is it like Google you know Google ads and things like that? or what does that look like for you all?
1: So we had always been um, very heavy on the organic side of things on on blog and written content. We um, we've moved away from it a little bit and we've moved towards the like audio video side of things. And that's worked out really well for us because when we run events, we found that we'll get a lot of the same people to come back Um, those inbound leagues that haven't fully made it to that like engaged or MQL state that we have those people that keep coming back to those events. It's a lot easier to track that rather than people who read a blog and then another blog and then another blog. Plus they get to engage with us in a more meaningful way via a live event or through even like a pre-recorded webinar or listening to our podcast in a way that written content can't. Um, so we've been investing pretty heavily and we will continue to invest pretty heavily in that side of things. And, um, something that we have done this year that we had never done in the past is that we work with, um, an SEO agency and an SEM agency now, and they've been able to run some Google ads for us that we, we dabbled in the past, but like, I, I don't know anything about that space. And I tried to put some stuff together with the very limited knowledge that I have my team is literally me and one other person and nobody else at demand drive really handles marketing. So it's like the collective efforts of our two brains, knowing very little about SEO or ads or paid search or anything like that, cobbling together some Google and LinkedIn ads, surprise, surprise, didn't yield a ton of results. (laughs) Um, so outsourcing that to an agency has been instrumental in terms of helping us like just clean up a lot of things on our site on the technical side of things that like we just didn't know existed to tanked our searchability. Our domain authority wasn't as high as we wanted it to be. Um, being able to bring in someone on that side of things to make sure that we actually are showing up in the searches that we should on the SEO side of things and running some ads for us has been able to fill more of the top of that funnel. Um, so it's an experiment that we tried this year and it's been working out pretty well. So we'll continue to invest in, in that side as well.
0: When, when someone comes in through like a podcast or like one, like you said, audio video, do you have an idea of if they convert to an MQL or, to an sal at a higher like rate because they're kind of sitting i just have this like theory that you know they're sitting the person who decides to let you in their headspace for 40 minutes every week is just (laughs) a different kind of you know they're more engaged they're more Mm -hmm. uh there's more trust there's more awareness there's more feeling like they know you so i'm just curious if you've tracked that at all like if they end up converting at a higher rate than people who come in through a google ad or something
1: i i haven't and I think I have to now, based on the fact that you just said that. Cause I fully agree with you. I think it's like, if someone listens to, to me of all people for like 35 minutes, talk about something with a guest and with a co-host sure. But like, if they listen to us for that long and then they inbound, it makes perfect sense that they would probably move through the funnel a little bit quickly. Like I had talked about, like our, our space in their brain is probably significantly more carved out than someone who mm-hmm. just reads a blog or, or clicks on an ad or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I've actually moved towards t- typically on our contact us form. Um, prior to this year, we had a drop down for how did you hear about us just for attribution sake. And like 99% of the time, people would just say Google because that's the first answer on it. And they're like, yeah, it's just the easiest yeah. one to put in. We, yeah,
0: they're lazy. Yeah. They choose that, that first one.
1: Uh, but we've, we turned it into a free form field now. So you can put in whatever yeah. you want there. And it's been really cool to see like how somebody finds us typically they'll still say Google search if it is a Google search, but like we've had people put in their entire attribution cycle in, in that form before, which is insane to think about because it's like, there's this like, I know it's a trendy topic, dark social or whatever, but like the idea that there are so many interactions that you don't see somebody take with your brand that ultimately get them to that stage where they're filling out a contact us form. Seeing it written down is so cool because it's like, we had somebody who they were like, yeah, one of your SDRs reached out and then I got onto your website and then I listened to your podcast and then I watched this webinar and then I talked to a friend of mine who had used you. So then I went to the contact us forum and I'm like, dude, that's sweet. That's like an awesome, cool like, thing to be able to show the sales team and be like, look at what we're doing together. That's driving people to this contact us forum. That's, that's a really cool thing to see
0: yeah when i worked at lemon pie we like at the uh end of my time there we set this up so that we could like you know get an idea of this and um it was always cool because even even instead of like checking off referral Mm -hmm. you hear like which podcast they heard us on or like which marketer liked our work and referred us or something Mm -hmm. um and you know like to your point there was one person that was like saw you know jeremiah post on linkedin uh and clicked his profile image saw that he worked here checked out the website like was it you know it's yeah, like amazing. they're describing like their full journey yeah. which is is really really cool yeah.
1: i find that people who do that typically are in marketing because they're like oh i want this yeah. person to know what my attribution is like exactly so i don't they don't like stay up at night wondering where they you know how did i find this person
0: they just want to bless your day yeah as a <laughs> or they or they want you to take a screenshot and like tag chris walker on linkedin or something oh <laughs> too funny um AJ, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for sharing uh, all these insights with us. I, I really appreciate you coming on.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I love talking about this stuff. It's cool to be able to like vocalize what we've been doing because sometimes... I say things and I'm like, oh yeah, like we did increase our MQL to SAL rate by that much. That's pretty sweet. Or like, oh yeah, I'd, like, I learned something from you. I should be taking a look at like podcast attribution in terms of like funnel velocity. I think that'd be a really cool metric to track. So something yeah. for me to take away too.
0: Yeah, it's it's awesome chatting and, uh, and you're living that like marketer of one or two life right now. So it's good to like get out of the trenches and talk about some of the wins a little Absolutely.
1: bit. Absolutely. Yeah, no, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it
0: absolutely and can you uh shout out like what domain should people go to to check out demand drive and what's your podcast
1: yeah so we're um just demanddrive.com and the uh the podcast that we have is called unsubscribe in all caps the demand drive podcast um if you go onto our website's resources page it's plastered on there you can't miss it
0: awesome okay thanks again aj i appreciate you coming on
1: yeah thanks for having me